In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Triggynet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here. I hope everybody had a wonderful, productive week. Um, so we're going to start our show off with the business tip of the week. So this is all, the business tip is all about follow-up. I must say, I think going to a business meeting, having a great meeting is wonderful, but I really believe in my heart of hearts that in order to close the deal correctly and quickly, the most important thing you have to do is your follow-up work. So remember, as soon as you possibly can, send your thank you note um, for the meeting and list uh, in detail all of the follow-up work that you have agreed to do. And please make sure to follow up because I must say, it's really difficult running your own business. I know we all have so much going on at all times. But in order to move forward and taking our baby steps every day, um, in order to really create movement in your business, you've got to make sure that you do your follow-up. So try to make a promise to yourself that absolutely within 48 hours of of a sales meeting or of any meeting, you make sure that you follow up. Okay, with that, I'm very, very excited to introduce my guest today. Her name is Wendy Komack. She is the author of a brand new book called I Work with Crabby Crappy People. And um, I must say, we were supposed to have Wendy on Paying It Forward back in September, and I felt absolutely terrible. It was probably the one and only time I had to cancel my radio show because I lost my voice. So I've been anxiously awaiting to have Wendy on our show, and I'm thrilled that she's here with us today. So welcome to Paying It Forward, Wendy. Thank you, Josephine. I'm so honored to be joining your show today. Well, you're so sweet, Wendy, and I apologize it wasn't sooner, but we have you today. So we're going to have a fun, really productive show today. So, Wendy, before we get started, can you tell us, I know you have an incredible background. You've had some very senior positions in um, some big corporations. Can you give us a little background about um, where you started, your education, and just let us know how you ended up where you are today. 
Well, I actually was trained as a chef back in the 80s and um, chose not to become a chef because I didn't like the hours. So I moved into selling food to restaurants, which turned out to be life-changing for me because it was one of the first times, if it was the first time actually in my life, where I was responsible now for my own income, right? Nobody sat around a desk at the end of the year to determine what kind of pay increase I could get. I gave it to myself. And moving into that sales role was very empowering. But one of the things that happened along the way, too, is one of the gifts I realized I had was helping the other salespeople around me. Sometimes you get salespeople and they can be very competitive. I found that when I helped everybody around me, it actually made me better. So I started in institutional food, and then I moved into the office supply industry from there. Uh, at that time, I still didn't have a college degree. I didn't go back oh, to wow. college. I didn't uh-huh. go back to college until I was 41. Oh, that's so fun. That's great. Right. And it's a really good message to people that it's never too late. You know, I had gotten to a place in my career where it was clear that I would not move into executive level positions without the piece of paper, despite the fact that I felt that I really had a really great education from the School of Hard Knocks from being on the street for a lot of years. Sure. It really, it really helped me to go back to school, and from there I went on to get my master's degree. So I think I was 43, and I will say getting an education at that age was incredibly useful to me in the workplace. Oh, that's great. Now, Wendy, what did you get your undergraduate in, and what did you get your master's degree in? I got my undergraduate in business management, and then I got my master's degree in business. Oh, great. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so it's quite interesting. Did you feel that you learned an awful lot by going back to school? Like, did you really, or did you graduate with that sense or that feeling like, wow, I did, I learned it all on, through my hands-on experience. Like, what is your feeling about that, Wendy? I'm just curious. You know, interestingly enough, if you would have asked me the question before I went back to school, I probably would have told you that going back to school was just an exercise in getting the piece of paper so I could put it on my resume to move up. Mm-hmm into the executive suite. That didn't turn out to be the case, but like any experience, you shouldn't waste it, and I didn't waste college either. Um, I really put to use everything that I was learning in the classroom in the business that I was working in, so it proved to be a very, very valuable experience for me. Oh, that's so interesting because I feel like I was so young when I went to college, like I graduated high school and then I rushed to get through college and did it in three years and then went back for my master's and I just felt like I was always in this rush, rush, rush that to go back now after running my business for six years, I think it would be so fascinating and I think I would get so much more out of it. So that's why I was asking. (laughs) Well, that also helped me to get it at that point in my career, though, um, working on the projects that I needed for college simultaneously with the role that I had ultimately led me then to my first executive-level position. I became a senior vice president, and mm-hmm. I spent now the last um, decade in senior vice president roles, primarily hired by organizations as a turnaround specialist. So companies hire me when things are broke, My expertise is on the global sales side, so I build global sales organizations for companies right now. And I'm proud to say that I've been able to, in every turnaround that I've been effective in, I've been able to do it with the same people 
who were there previously who were underperformers. So, Well, that's what I love so much when I was reading all about your background, Wendy. It's just, you know, as business owners, when you invest in employees, everybody has good intentions when they sign up for the job. But you know what? I just remember when I was in, you know, working for large corporations when I got out of school, I remember I performed best under the leadership of those individuals who really just believed in me, almost like they believed in me more than I believed in myself at the time. And it just helped me get even better and better. Whereas those, you know, managers or leaders that kind of knock you down and say, well, why did you do that? And you're constantly always on the defense. I can see the negativity come down and it's so hard to move forward. So I love the fact that you were able to look, everybody's got positives. And it sounds to me like you really pulled out the positive strengths that all of these individuals had and created powerful sales teams. And it becomes a win-win situation all around. I will say that there has not been a single team that I have ever worked with where I could not find greatness in people that generally didn't even know they had it, skills and talent that they didn't even know existed. And it is a key to a leader in today's environment. Your leadership, if you're a leader, if you're running a business, your job should not be to be sitting back and waiting for everybody else to do it. Your job is to really be on a search and rescue mission looking for all the lost and buried talent that exists, I guarantee exists, and the people that are working for you right now at this moment. So, Wendy, my question to you is for all of those entrepreneurs out there listening to us right now, is there a way that we can apply that to ourselves, the way that you were able to pull that out? Are there certain questions that we ask ourselves to bring out the best in even ourselves and our employees? How do we go about that? Well, the one, the first thing I focus on is I look for people's top three strengths. I really do not focus on weaknesses at all. I don't think anybody should really focus on weaknesses. Just to focus on them only makes them worse. Yet, if you look at most of companies and the way they're set up in terms of talent management, it's always about what's the developmental plan, right, which in, sure. and, of, in and of itself sends a message to people. I instead focus on tell me what your top three strengths are, and then tell me, do they align with what you love to do? Because the two don't often go together, and that's the mistake, right? For example, there's things I'm really good at, but I don't like doing them, (laughs) okay? So even though I'm really good at them, it's a competency I have. If I'm forced to do them in the work environment, I don't often enjoy it, so I don't bring the same level of passion. Even though I'm older now and I I try, I work at that every day, you, you just inherently don't bring the same level of passion. So for people who are working for me and with me, I'm always looking for what are your top three strengths? What are the things that you are great at? And then tell me, are those the three things that you absolutely love to do? You'll be surprised. They often are not. So what you're looking for are what are the top three things you're great at and love to do? 
Oh, that's so important, Wendy. I'll tell you a really quick story. So when I got out of school, I worked the whole time I went for my college education. I worked as a bookkeeper. And I have to tell you, the business owner that I worked under gave me such a solid foundation for doing accounting and running books that somehow, some way, even though I had a finance degree, rather than go into the financial institutions and work in the stock market immediately, somehow, some way, somebody realized through my resume probably that I had this great talent for bookkeeping. But I have to tell you, Wendy, doing bookkeeping, I'm extremely good at it because I'm obsessed and I have to have everything balanced to the penny. But it is like taking your nails and running them up and down a blackboard to me. So while I was good at it, it was not my passion. And that's when I went back from my master's in marketing because that's where my true passion is. So I love that tip. Figure out your top three strengths, but make sure that you love what you do in order to bring your passion out in every day. Well, that is a great first segment of our Paying It Forward this week with Wendy Comack. We're going to be back shortly, and we're going to learn all about um, Wendy's new book. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Toginet.com. Ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Season me is on Toginet. A delightful, thoughtful, serious, and not so serious call-in show with Cecil Murphy and Twyla Belk. Tuesday nights at 8, 7 Central on toginet.com. You know Cease is the veteran author from 90 Minutes in Heaven, Gifted Hands, When a Man You Loved Was Abused, and many other books, as well as a mentor for writers. And Twyla Belk is an effervescent force known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal. She's also a writer and motivational speaker who's always bragging on God. For more on Cecil Murphy, go to his website, Cecil Murphy, that's P-H-E-Y dot com. And for Twyla, GottaTellSomebody.com. The show, Season Me, is a far-reaching, faith-based, shared conversation and call-in show with questions welcomed. A chance to get everything out in the open. From questions about writing, to surviving sexual abuse, to the topics of the day. All from a Christian worldview to help you. Season Me, Cecil Murphy, Twyla Belk. Tuesday evenings at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back 
everyone. It's Josephine here. So we have Wendy Comack on the line with us. And Wendy's an author. She's going to tell us all about her book. So, um, Wendy, to kind of shift gears here just a little, because sometimes our life experiences help others kind of relate in certain ways. And um, I just kind of feel like when we go through life and we experience ups and downs, sometimes it's those down moments that really make us the strong people we are today. Do you want to share anything about your background with us that, you know, might help us get to know you a little better? Yes, I absolutely would. And before I start to tell you a little bit about my life and uh, the ups and downs of my life, more downs than ups, just like everybody else, I'm sure. It's really important to note that, you know, whatever's going on in your life, all adverse circumstances can become a golden link in the chain of your good if you allow them to be and you use them that way, use them as a tool. So from the time I was 17 to 27, I drank a bottle of vodka a day. And during those years, I was Uh, quite the mess in terms of my life, my career, everything that was going on. I think it's one of the reasons that I'm an effective leader is that I'll never throw the towel in on people because I've never met anybody who is in as bad a shape as I was at one time in my life. Wow. Okay. So it's a really good lesson that no matter who you've got working for you or what's going on in their life, there's a level of potential with people Most people just need a little help finding it, right? They're waiting for some sort of mentor or some sort of person to show up. And if you're in a leadership position, management, or you own a business, you're in in that spot to be able to help people find their own greatness on days they can't find it themselves. That's such a powerful tool, Wendy. It it really, it's just, um, I believe in what you're saying. So how did you get out of that whole cycle, Wendy? Well, I mean, I knew for almost three years I needed to stop drinking. Um, when the time finally came to stop drinking, it had a lot to do with um, the fact that I had gotten a job in sales. I was going to be now responsible for my own income, and there was going to be no way that I was going to drive around and be able to keep this new job that I got, the sales position, if I was drinking like I was. You know, I was a pretty effective alcoholic. I went to work every morning. Um, I'd have to write on my hand where I parked my car because I could never remember later in the day. But I still yeah. managed to go to work and get things done. It's just you can't really grow when you're obviously in that state of mind. Um, mm-hmm. So when the time came and I finally moved out of it, it was, in fact, the hardest thing I'd ever done in my career. That's why when a board of directors gives me goals now, I just go, okay, because that was tough. This other stuff I know that I can do. But I, I think it also helps me develop a level of empathy now for the people who work with me. But you know what, Wendy, did you have an aha moment when you just said, okay, enough is enough? And how did you, how did you change? How did you change? Like, did it happen overnight? Did it take a long time? No, I, it really was a couple years that I knew I had to change. I just didn't know how to change. My aha moment came um, <laughs> on a very hot weekend in Cleveland where... 
uh, the last thing I remembered was buying a half gallon of rum on a Friday and then didn't wake up until Sunday. And when I looked around my house, the chef and me had been cooking all weekend long. I'd obviously been out driving around, but I had absolutely no recollection of where I'd been. I had to go out, look at my car, make sure there wasn't any blood or anything on it, make sure I didn't hit anybody. And wow. that, that moment was really a, what are you doing you have so much talent. I know that somewhere inside this woman named Wendy is talent. Where did it go? What happened? And how do I get it back? Wow. Oh, that that's so powerful. So then what was your next step, Wendy? Well, I mean, the very first thing that I did was decide that I was going to work really hard, right? I, I needed, I had this job now. I was able to really control my income. I was going to work really hard. I was going to constantly go the extra mile to do the best. I was going to become the best salesperson that could be. I was handed a, um, when I finally got a job selling food, I was handed the worst territory that they had. Back in the 80s, it was predominantly men who were selling food. There were very few women in Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I live, selling. And so I really looked to, I'm competitive anyway, but Mm-hmm. go out and be the best that I could be, really make my company proud. It took one year, and that territory, which had been the worst, then became the best. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. You see how you, you it sounds to me like you really internalized and went way down deep inside of yourself and made yourself that strong, strong person. Wow, I'm so proud of you. That's really, really an accomplishment, Wendy. And I hope my listeners are, you know, getting inspired by your story as much as I am. So, um, okay, Wendy, so all of that happened. Um, Let's see how the story progressed. So then you became the salesperson, and then I guess at a certain point you just decided to go back to school. Yes, I did. I actually went back to school. Um, By that time I was working for an office supply company, and um, I had just been – promoted now into a leadership position, which, by the way, was something at that time I really didn't want. I really liked the autonomy of being an individual contributor, being responsible only for my own income. Um, We were, it was, let's see, I've been sober now probably 12 years, and um, I didn't get a choice. When the leadership role opened up, they said, you're the new leader, and I said, well, I don't really want to be the leader, and they said, no, you're the new leader. You're not really listening very well. You're not really listening very well, Wendy. (laughs) Well, because they saw it in you, that's why. Right, so somebody saw it in me, um, but you know what? I really didn't have any leadership tools. I've been a pretty successful individual contributor now, and over those 12 years, I'd also had some things that I'd done. The first one was what I just talked about, right? Always do your personal best. Always go the extra mile. Over the next 12 years, I developed several other steps that sort of just built on each other. And when I moved into that leadership spot with very other or no tools really in my arsenal in terms of formal leadership training, I started using my own steps with my team to try and inspire them now to go out and sell some things. Can you share some of those with us, Wendy? Sure. Um, so my first, so one of those steps is always go the extra mile, right? Because one of the things we see in today's workplace, for example, is everybody who doesn't want to. Not me. It's not my job. Not me. I shouldn't do it. Not me. It's not my responsibility. Um, so really teaching people that you should be doing your personal best, and only you know what your personal best is. 
Nobody else knows that for you. And if you're in a leadership role, one of the things that you should be asking your people is at the end of the day, can they honestly look at themselves and say, are you doing your personal best? Did you? And if they can say yes based on the circumstances that they're in that day, then that's a good enough answer for everybody, right? Because none of us really know what's going on in anybody else's life. So for me, when people tell me, you know what, Wendy, I did my personal best under the circumstances I was in today, that's all I care about. Wow. And, you know, I have young kids, Wendy, and, you know, my mind is always my personal life and my business life. And this applies so much to even our personal life with our young children to sit down at dinner and say, did you do your personal best today? And if we start that at a young age, I'm sure that has a big, could have a big impact on them as well. Sorry, that was a little tangent I had to throw in there for my mom entrepreneurs, Wendy. No, I think that um, that's, that's great because both of my children uh, were great basketball players, and I used to laugh because that was what was most important at the end of a game. Did you do your personal best? And I had one who would get off the court and be very introspective and say things like, well, no, I didn't really. I could have done this better. I could have done this better. I could have done that better, Mom. I should have. She had a different level of accountability for herself then. It wasn't my accountability for her. She had her own. My other one would get off the court and say, I did everything, but the coach didn't do this, and somebody didn't do that, and somebody else didn't do that. And I used to say to him, you sound like you have an alibi for how you played. Who else? Were you not out on the court? Right. And I think that that's what goes on a lot of times with people in the workplace or even in their personal lives, right? All kinds of things are going on. But we have an alibi. I had an alibi for my life all those years that I was drinking. It was somebody else's problem, not me. It wasn't my fault. It was my boyfriend's fault, my boss's fault. Somebody else owned responsibility for my life. Well, nobody owns responsibility for your life and your performance. You're the CEO of your own life. That's Mm -hmm. what's so great about it. Yeah, that's so, so important. So, all right, so that's step number one, always go the extra mile. What's the next thing we have to do, Wendy? The other thing we have to do is you have to stop living on autopilot. You know, change happens. Seasons change. Styles change. Every one of us changes by the minute. We're all getting older, although I'm in denial a little bit someday. <laughs> we <Yeah>. are. <laughs> <laughs> but, but everything's changing around us, and especially now in the business environment, I look at the strategies, for example, that I have implemented with the team I'm working with, and they are nothing like what we were doing even 18 months ago. And I'm pretty sure that the board um, of directors or the executive team that I report up to well, actually, they do often say this to me, but, but 18 months ago you were saying, Wendy, and I have to remind them, well, that was 18 months ago. Everything's changing, and we can't run the business and do the same things. The sales strategies can't be the same. Nothing can be the same because when you're working and living on autopilot, life will pass you by. And if you've got a business running that way, it will get stagnant very, very fast. Okay, so that sounds... That sounds good, but now how do you change a sales strategy? What are the things that you're looking for? Can you give us an example of that, Wendy? Yeah, one of the major changes I made to our sales strategy was the way in which we communicate with um, our potential clients. For the business that I'm in right now, we are often selling to large committees. If you think about how people understand information, it's very different from the way it was 
a few years back. You know, Facebook didn't exist, really, a few years back, not to the extent it does today. Most people are what I call information snackers. They only understand information in very small, bite-sized pieces. They don't have the patience or the attention span to listen well, for a long Well, that is such a good point, Wendy, and I think that's why I am such a believer in Twitter because Twitter, you know, you have that 140-second, um, 140 characters to get your point across, and it really helps as far as the communication. But we're going to take a quick break now, and I'm interested in knowing if you're um, – communication your strategy changed and it has to do with social media so we'll take a quick break and we'll be back shortly with wendy comack thanks everyone we'll be right back with more paying it forward with josephine Girasi right after these on toginet.com was sad because right. he had a death kill mommy and dad right. but that ain't the case nope. it wasn't his fate no nope. the walks never struggled to communicate <laughs> y'all wave your hands look who's on it's the code of man keith and he's number one it's that keith wine show on toginet.com wednesday nights at 8 7 central every week that keith wine show will have guests that share their experiences expertise opinions and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others the topics and guests will come from the american sign language community for more on keith wine and the show go to his website keithwan.com listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge number number one keith's number one everybody Don't miss That Keith Wan Show, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central, on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles, with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on Toginet.com. Well, welcome. Welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we have Wendy Comack on the line with us today. So, Wendy, we were just saying how important it is um, to really look at your strategy often because lots of times your strategy can change. And um, you were giving a really good example of how sometimes the communication with your potential clients well, you've experienced a change within an 18-month period. Can you just expand on that just a little more? Yes. I, um, 
it's interesting, but just because of the way social media has really bombarded the world and the way I believe people understand information, it's interesting when you think about the fact that I, I think most people have a very difficult time determining the difference between a fact and an opinion, hmm. right? Because years ago, if we wanted facts, we just turned on the news, right, and listened to a newscaster. Now I can log on to the Internet and I can get onto YouTube and I can listen to somebody who's um, very adept and knowledgeable delivering a message, a message that might be that person's opinion, but because of how it's delivered and my accessibility to it, it now becomes my fact. So I think that if you're out selling or if you've got a business and you're obviously selling something to somebody, you really have to understand that most people can't tell the difference anymore between opinion and fact, and a lot of it has to do with social media. They read it on Facebook. They see it someplace. It goes viral somewhere, and all of a sudden, somebody's opinion becomes a fact. I think that's great. So one of the things we've done is we've really changed our messaging strategy to make uh, to fit this notion that people are information snackers. They only like small bites of information mm -hmm. um, that are interesting, right, that appeal to them both from a humanity level and an expertise level. So <clears throat> it's allowed us to be far more creative in what we're saying and what we're doing. Um, and my teams really like it. And more importantly, my company really likes the results we're getting utilizing it. Oh, I think that's great. So are you really able to see results? How, how do you um, measure the results, Wendy? Well, we, re we measure the results. You know, you were you, interesting on one of the things you talked about your tip of the day was doing all the right follow-up, right, once you had a great meeting. So sometimes we think we've got the meeting and we walk out of there and, wow, we just had this great meeting, we're high-fiving each other, what a great meeting, and then we wonder six months down the road why it never went anywhere. We get into these large, big meetings right now just by virtue of the kind of business I'm in, and that's when the sale really starts, right, because the ability for people to connect with us a couple different ways allows for actionable items to come out of that meeting and then how quickly we get back to them and do those types of things. But I think that we're appealing, our message is appealing to more people because it tends to be simpler. That's the other thing. If you're running a business and you have a sales strategy right now, it should not be complex at okay. all. Keep it uh, simple. Right, and I, you know, my favorite thing to say is it's easy to be complex. It takes a lot of expertise to be simple. Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's so much harder to put something in 140 characters than it is to write a paragraph. It is, and one of the exercises I did with my team, which is another testimony to how much talent exists inside of any business, is we got everybody together for two days, and um, we basically picked a bunch of adjectives that we liked that we thought described what we do. We, didn't, we weren't constrained by what were the ordinary and customary, perhaps, adjectives of the business. And then we started making different combinations of them so that we could make short little statements that would be unique in what we were saying. Um, so if we were talking about customer service, it would be completely different than what anybody else in our space would be saying. And I have to tell you, Josephine, two days with my team in this very creative environment, the amount of good stuff that came from the group in terms of what we should be saying and what we might be doing differently in the marketplace in terms of messaging, 
we probably couldn't have paid a New York ad agency enough money to do that for us. Plus, it was really inspiring for the group themselves to come up with the messaging. And guess what? Because they came up with it, they now want to use it. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, getting away from the office is so, so important. I just remember when I worked on Wall Street, we did it quite often. And then when the recession hit, I noticed a lot of the companies started not doing that anymore. But I agree with you 100%. It's money well spent because they, your employees buy into your business and there's nothing better than a, an employee that truly believes in what they're doing. So I agree with that. That's a really good point, Wendy. So, um, Wendy, I know a lot. Um, tell us about the attitude of people in the workplace. So we just discussed the positive attitude that came from a two-day retreat with the employees. Tell us more about the everyday attitude that you've come into contact with. Yeah, I think that most people come to work and um – and they spend a good part of their day complaining while they're at work. It's a problem I call presenteeism, right? They show up, but they aren't doing their job. Or even worse, they forgot to tell somebody they quit, and they're still at work every day. So they're, <laughs> you know, they're at the right. office, or they're inside your business, and then they are not working to maximum performance. And when people show up at the office and they've got a bad attitude for whatever reason, what happens is, is you get stuck in this very bad zone of minimum to maximum mediocrity, right? Because yes. Because, you know, they're not in a good spot, and then they're contagious to everybody else around them. So how are you going to help them really to change their attitude if they can't change it themselves? Now, you can always get rid of people, but you can tell by what I've talked about previously, I don't like to fire people and I don't like to change people out. It's always been my experience that there's a top performer in there somewhere. It's my job, or I view it as my job, to find it. And so I always think about, look, I'm going to show up every day as a leader. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to light up the room right with my energy, or am I going to electrocute people? And I'm not a fan of just giving people or saying nice things to people when they haven't done anything. But I am always looking for things to find about a person that are good and that are great. And part of this is teaching employees themselves that, you know, happiness is not for sale. You can't buy it in a new job or find it in a new job or find it in a new spouse or, you know, find mm -hmm. it in a new car or a new house. You have to be able to fill yourself up on any given day to make yourself feel better. I think that's such an important, important point. Happiness is not for sale. How powerful is that, Wendy? And, you know, it's hard. Sometimes, you know, I, I think I'm going through a little midlife crisis here where I'm just kind of it's a responsibility to make sure that you're happy, especially when you come into contact with so many people. Like, I don't know if I'm being, you know, I I don't know what word I'm kind of trying to look for, but um, do you know what I'm saying, Wendy? It's almost like it's important for the the mom to be super happy in her house because I just know when... I'm in a great mood, or even if I'm just, everything's okay, everything runs smoothly. If I'm uptight about anything, 
it trickles down. It's almost like the kids can feel the vibes. My husband comes home. He's like, uh-oh, everybody stay away from mommy. Something's up. Do you know what I'm saying, Wendy? It's almost like we have a great responsibility with all of the different hats we wear to try to be the best people we can be. And in my opinion, a lot of times we have that responsibility to find the happiness within ourselves because that helps us be the better person. Well, and if you can't find the happiness inside yourself, like whose job is it to find it for you? I mean, now as a leader, I think that I, I try and facilitate that for people, right? I'm always looking for the good in everybody. I'm always paying attention to the little teeny things that people are doing um, so that I can make sure that I hold them up on days that they can't hold themselves up because that's what a leader should be doing. On the flip side of it, they got to be able to be away from me and be able to do it themselves, right? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. So, Wendy, I cannot believe with everything you're telling us now, you turned to the upper management and said, I'm not, I don't want to be the leader. It sounds like you are an absolute amazing leader. So I'm glad you took on that role. I'm glad, too, but there's parts of the leadership I don't want, right? I don't want all the administrative stuff. That's why I'm the girl that's always out in the field with the people, coaching, mentoring, and most importantly, loving the team to success. Yeah, I think yeah. that I, I hear you. It's There's lots of things in our jobs that we have to just figure out a way that they get done. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that I interview, sometimes it's just getting somebody that can really do that administrative stuff. Really, really good, Wendy. So you can tell them good job and it frees up your hand, hands if that's even doable. But this is such a lesson. You've taught us so much so far, but I am dying to know what uh, I'm dying to know more about your book, Wendy. Can you tell us what was the inspiration for your book called I Work with Crabby Crappy People? <laughs> well, the book is actually. Um the result of, for years I've been doing an inspirational speech called The Elevator to Success is Out of Order, Use Steps, and that was my nine steps to success, some of which we've talked about here today. And last year I was very fortunate that the company that I was working for knew that this was a goal of mine. I wanted to write the book, and now I was getting into my 50s, and I'm like, you better write the book because what are we waiting for here? Right. And um, they allowed me to take a sabbatical, so I worked part-time and for six months went and wrote the book. Now, in my mind, I really thought that I was going to just write this short book called The Elevator to Successes Out of Order Use Steps. But when I sat down and really allowed myself to be creative – um, I realized, who wants to read that book? That would be sort of a self-help book that would turn into a shelf-help book. And besides that, I had all these crazy stories about my life that I could use to teach the lessons. And So what happened is, is when I got all my stories down on paper, funny, but I decided that um, I might want to create a fictional story and with that came some crabby, crappy characters. They were all the characters that Wendy was. Well, I, I, think, I think it's hysterical, Wendy, how you did this, how you wrote your book. I can't wait to hear more about it. And I can't wait to hear about your cartoon characters. And there's so much more to learn. So we're going to take a really quick break. And we'll be back shortly with Wendy Comack. Thanks, everyone. 
with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on toginet.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Are you ready to get your woo-hoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman, Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, it's Josephine here, and we have Wendy Comack with us. So, Wendy, you just started to tell us um, what inspired you to write your new book. Before we even get started, though, could you just please tell my listeners how they can get your book? Yes. If you go to uh, wendywoman.com, you can order my book directly from me, and it will be available, I want to say, in early January, and then it will also be available at all the normal retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in January as well. Okay, so that's wonderful. So thanks for telling us that, Wendy. And let's get back to talking a little bit about your book. I love, as you know, with my whole Paying It Forward um, show, I love the fact that we all learn lessons in life. And I love the fact that when you were coming up with how you were going to put your book together, that you were thinking about the life lessons that you learned and how you wanted to pay it forward to others. So tell us a little more about that. Well, I thought I would use uh, my own personal life lessons because, again, there's no sense in wasting all the mistakes I've made in my life. We might as well use them 
um, for everybody else to learn from and for people to also remember that no matter where you are or what you've done or what's going on, you woke up and you have a fresh start today. You just have to take advantage of that. So part of being so transparent with my own life was letting people know, no, don't, don't think you're in too bad a spot because it's not. You're not. You know, you can start over. Um, creating the characters, that was just the whole creative side that then came out because in order to teach the lessons um, for each step, I created a character and then sort of stereotyped them and exaggerated their behavior so that the reader then could identify with them. I gave each one of them a backstory, some reason in their history that made them who they were today. Yeah, and I have to tell you, it's great. Now, are you the artist, Wendy, or did you hire an artist for each person, the comic strip? No, I am not the artist. Um, and, in fact, I would be remiss if I didn't say the whole Wendy Woman project is a nice group of people, a great team of people, all who had their individual dreams, all who happened to show up at my life at the perfect time. So my artist is a woman by the name of Janice Winger. Janice is 72. From the time she was a child, she wanted to draw for Mad Magazine and had never done any drawing. When I had a very serendipitous lunch with her, to hire her to do some video work for me when she showed me a cartoon she'd drawn. And that was the start then of, wow, this character she'd drawn, which was Methane Man, uh-huh. maybe we should make a Wendy Woman character and he could be her arch nemesis. Oh, that's hysterical. So now here you are giving a job to a woman in her 70s to do your your comic strip, and I have to tell you, the comic strip is amazing, and I hope everybody's going to go check it out. So, um, okay, so that sounds good, Wendy. So how else did you end up pulling it all together? Well, the, the whole project came together, and like I said, there were a lot of people um, that helped with the inspiration along the way. So I had all the stories, and I obviously had the stuff. Janice was busy putting artwork together, um, my friend Todd Waits, who uh, is one of the actual characters in the book, Tenacious Todd, Todd lost his shoulder to cancer when he was 14. He actually wrote the songs, because each one of these characters has their own songs. And right, then, right. Um, a former business associate of mine, uh, John Pierce, actually managed the whole project, because it's really good to know what you're good at, and it's good to know when you should offload responsibilities to other people so that they can manage them for you. And I was busy with my regular consulting business and trying to write the book, and once the book was written, then to really get the website launched. So I had a very nice collective group of people, like-minded people, my own personal mastermind group mm-hmm. that has now helped move that project forward, and without them it wouldn't be where it is today. Oh, wow. So that's great that you surrounded yourself with such amazing people. So, um, all right, Wendy, so that sounds great. So what else do you want to tell us? Do you want to tell us anything else about the books? Well, no, the book About is, the um, book, I'm sorry. Yeah, the book is, again, the book is, uh, each one of the characters in the book, because it's everybody wants to know, are these people you've worked with? You know, are they all real? I'm sure there's somebody you know. And the honest answer is they're not. With the exception of the Tenacious Tide character and Wendy Woman, who's modeled after me, they're all fictional characters that I created that were some version of me in my life. And you know what? The honest answer is, Josephine, is every one of us has crabby, crappy people inside of us every mm-hmm. day. It's just a question of whether you're going to let them out to play. And 
you had mentioned how, in our, well, you're talking a little bit about attitude, how you feel like you have to have the right attitude and you should do the right things. And the one thing I, I strive to do every day is I smile at people. You know, I travel extensively, so I smile at people in the Cleveland airport all the time. I think it makes them crabby that I do that. <laughs> but, but the one thing that um, I'm on a mission to is to make people's lives a little bit better, to reach across the desk, to give to people every single day. And my book's written in a way that it should make people laugh, and it could make people cry. But most importantly, you should be able to identify with some of the characters and why they might be who they are today. It's a really good lesson to remember. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever experience you see in front of you in terms of people around you, you don't really know what's going on in their life. So you should give them the benefit of the doubt because there might be something that's contributing to their behavior that you know nothing about. And the book's about learning that lesson too. Oh, wow. That's great. So what was the biggest lesson you learned from the process of writing the book, Wendy? Wow. Boy, you know, writing a book. I think <laughs> I'd done the speech for so long that this writing, sitting down to write the book should be an easy thing. But it's not because I wasn't an expert at writing the book. Um, I was an expert at getting my stuff down on paper. But then my biggest gift is, or trait is to go find people to help me. You know, it's good to know that I don't need to have all the answers. I just need to find the right answers. And if you go look for the right resources, there's always people who are willing to help. You just have to look for them a little bit. So if you're trying to write a book, the, the, top, the thing you've got to do is you've got to sit down and you've got to start writing. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming if you think about the book in its whole. The story unfolded on a weekly basis. I made a commitment to myself that I'd write for three hours every day. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and I didn't know from the beginning to the end how it was going to play out or what the story was going to be. I just let it unfold. As long as I had the discipline to keep writing, the story kept coming. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. I recently had a guest on the show who was talking about writing a book, and she said the exact same thing. It's so, so important to just um, dedicate a specific amount of time every single day to writing. And um, it sounds like that's what you did, which is great. Yep. So, Wendy, I think you cut out there for just um, a few minutes there, a few seconds or something. But can can you just repeat one more time? What was the biggest lesson you had learned from writing your book? It was just basically to sit down and write. Um, you know, right. writing is complicated, but you have to sit down and you have to do it. And it's good to know, again, what you're good at. I was good at articulating my steps to success. And I was good at getting my own personal stories down on paper. What I'm not good at or wasn't good at was how to structure a book. Um, thankfully, I found somebody who knows how to, you know, there's, there's actually a way that you should write a book. And I wouldn't know that because that's not something I'm an expert in. So the one thing I'm a big fan of is I don't have to have all the answers, but I have to know and go look for the right answers. And a lot of times I think we put too much pressure on ourselves thinking, I should know how to do this. I should know what to do. Don't do that to yourself. You can always find people who will help you. You just have to make it your responsibility to go look for them and ask. Okay. I think that's so, so important. And that's a great business tip, Wendy, is that if you don't know 
how to do something within your business, there's always a way to find somebody who can do it. And my whole thing when I run my business one day, I feel best when I find people that can do it even better than me. Oh, I'm always looking to surround myself with people who can do it better than me. And the only way I could have possibly been successful in a number of different industries and had a number of different turnarounds now is because, remember, all those people when I showed up may have been labeled as non-performers. That wasn't true. They all turned out to be smarter than me. Wow, The only thing I was smart enough to do was to let them be. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, Wendy, we have just a couple of minutes, a little more than two minutes left to our show. I would love to take this quick opportunity to just wrap up the five best business tips that you have. Well, great. Well, the first one is is to always remember that you are the CEO of your own life. Nobody's in charge of your life, and if you think about your life as a business and the responsibilities that are associated with the business and having a plan and those types of things, you'll, you'll get a lot farther. It's nobody else's responsibility to do it for you. Um, and as a CEO of your own life, think about the people around you as sort of employees and how you might impact them on any given day to make things better in their world as well. Number two is stop living on autopilot. If you've been doing the same thing every day for 10 years, you need to change it. My motto is if it's broke, fix it. If it ain't broke, you should fix it anyway because in the business world we're living in right now, it will be broke by next week. So change should be a natural part of your life. It shouldn't be something that happens or you think you have to cope through. It should just be a part of the ordinary and customary business environment Um, that you're in. Great. So number three is doing your personal best, which we talked about, which Wendy, I thought, you know, you're so right. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror every single night. We should be saying to ourselves, did you do your personal best? And only we can answer that. So I think that's great. How about number four, Wendy? Number four is to remember that you are your most valuable asset. I cannot tell you how many people I interview, and I'll ask them, what kind of classes have you taken, what kind of training have you had, and the answer I always get back is, well, my last company didn't do any training. Well, it's not anybody's responsibility to invest in you. No one, no company has a responsibility. It's nice if they do, but they don't have a technical responsibility to invest in you. You have to invest in yourself. I think that's so, that's such a key point, Wendy, which is so important as to why when we were talking, how you even went back to school for yourself, you invested in yourself and how it helped you with your career. So that's great. So our fifth um, business tip from Wendy Komek is change your choices, change your life. We talked about that and I think you came up with amazing tips throughout the entire show today, Wendy. I want to thank you so much for Coming up to the close on Paying It Forward. But Wendy Comack, thank you so much for being a part of Paying It Forward. And everybody, I hope you have a wonderful, productive week. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Josephine. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Togginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons 